And so we pray that the words that I speak and the meditation of each of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our King and our Redeemer. Amen. When uh, Janice and I lived uh, in Prague in the Czech Republic, which we did for several years, I remember uh, one winter, the scene was rather like this, and uh, I was part of, uh, I don't want to make you envious, uh, I was part of um, a minister's group, a group of, of vicars as we would say in England, and um, we had a, a speaker from America who was uh, visiting and speaking to us, and he asked us in the course of his talk, so how many of you are born again? And uh, we were a bit sort of taken aback, you know, we're ministers, we don't need to be asked that question. Um, and then we wanted to ask him what he meant by being born again. Uh, and we were into a discussion. And it's a bit like Jesus in this passage that uh, Alison's read. It's a discussion about this topic and other topics as well. Uh, a discussion that was taking place between a religious leader, Nicodemus, and Jesus. But they actually weren't entirely on the same wavelength. Uh, part of my work is, is being a chaplain, part-time chaplain in Edinburgh's hospital. And fairly often I talk to people who say, I'm not really very religious, but could we talk about, and then they want to talk about often the meaning of life, what life is all about. And that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. And that's where sometimes the mismatch happens between a preconceived religious idea and life. So Jesus was talking about new life, new birth. As Peter said, we've got New babies amongst us. I believe that Eloise is here for the very first time coming out of the house. Uh, so there's Yolanda and Gareth. Uh, they're thinking about new life, about birth, about being born. And then it goes through birthdays, doesn't it? The first birthday and the second birthday and the third birthday when the meerkats apparently appear uh, and so on. And we celebrate birthdays. Now, some people, when they think about being born again, think, oh, I need to know when that happened. I need to be able to celebrate a day. Well, actually, we don't, I don't think, remember our own birthdays, do we? Somebody else tells us uh, when our birthday happened. And so I don't think the date is important. What's important is that we're alive. Oh, I heard an amen. You don't often... Uh, <laughs> uh, but it's worth an amen. It's worth celebrating that we're alive. And so let's celebrate that there is such a thing as new life in Jesus Christ, even if we can't remember perhaps some of the uh, times when different things happened uh, in our lives. Now, what Nicodemus saw in Jesus was something unusual. He knew the religious bits. He knew how to do the stuff religiously. But what he saw in Jesus 
was something different. Water being turned into wine, as we saw last week. The temple, as John describes it, being cleaned out because Jesus got angry about what was going on in the place where there should have been prayer and instead there was exploitation. So this made Nicodemus think, what's all this about? Who is this Jesus? And I admire his honesty. He came to see Jesus. He came to ask, what is this new thing that seems to be happening? And Jesus said, Nicodemus, it's not about rules. You're very, very good on the rules. You know what's right and you know what's wrong. And it's not that rules are bad, but they're not actually where we need to start. We need to start with Jesus and the experience of this life that Jesus offers. But Nicodemus was struggling. Did you see that in the, in the reading? He was thinking in a certain way, in a box. And he said, new birth. Well, does that mean that I have to get back inside my mother's womb and, and be born again? And maybe he was thinking, it's all a bit silly. Um, maybe I shouldn't have come. He came at night. That's an interesting thing. Some people think he was maybe a bit afraid. So he came at night. But still he came. And other people say, actually, a lot of discussions did take place at night. These people who wanted to discuss these kind of issues, they would light a cigar, they would take a glass of wine, and then at night you go into the library or wherever it is you go and you have discussions. But what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus was, yeah, it's good to discuss. We are discussing. But we're not going to be hung up on every little bit of dogma, of theological dogma, because it's not so much about dogma. We need to know what we believe, but it's a personal experience that I see Jesus talking about here, a personal experience of God, of being born, as Jesus put it, of water, to be cleansed, to be washed, to be made clean. That's a fantastic, isn't it, idea and thought and truth. And to be born of water and of the Spirit. Uh, and Jesus then went on to talk about how the Spirit is like wind. And you can't get hold of the wind, can you? You can't say, I've now got it. And that's what Jesus was saying. We, we don't have it in our hands. It's beyond us. It's, it's a moving and that's what we believe is happening in Camborne community, in our wider community. God's spirit is moving like the wind. Sometimes a breeze, sometimes a gentle breeze, sometimes powerfully, like a storm, shaking and changing. That's the work of the spirit that Jesus talks about. And maybe Nicodemus found that initially just a bit too threatening. His position, his status, his intellect, his control was blocking out this wind of the Spirit. And as a church, I'm sure we'll not be like that. Let's hope and pray we never are like that, that we want 
things to be our way rather than what the Spirit is doing. And so this is the good news, as Peter said at the beginning uh, of the service. Good news for Nicodemus, good news for us, for all people, the life of God. It's not far away from us. This wind is coming. It's among us. And for Nicodemus, this presence of God was right there in Jesus. The presence of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God so loved the world. It's the last verse in the reading. God loved the world so much that he gave Jesus. And Jesus took his pathway to the cross, didn't he? And Nicodemus took his pathway because we actually find out more about Nicodemus. He was confused at this point. He was a bit resistant. He was skeptical. But a few chapters later in John's Gospel, something is happening. Jesus is being condemned. He's being accused by the religious leaders. And who stands up for him? Nicodemus says, we can't condemn somebody until we've given them a fair hearing. Our law doesn't agree with that. When Janice and I lived in Central Europe, we met a lot of people who told us about their families in different parts of Eastern Europe who had been condemned without a fair trial because they were Christians for other reasons uh, under the atheistic regimes. You know, we hear uh, our new atheists today saying they're looking forward to the non-religious age that's to come. We've been there. There's been a non-religious set of regimes across Eastern Europe. They weren't very lovely. They were brutal. They condemned people without a fair trial. And that's what was happening with Jesus. But Nicodemus stood up and said, let's listen. And that's our message really today as Christians. We need to listen and we ask other people to listen. And then another event with Nicodemus. After Jesus had actually been crucified, two people came and took his body. One of them was Joseph, who had a tomb where Jesus was buried, and the other was Nicodemus. They needed actually to be people with a degree of influence to be able to take the body of Jesus. But what was Nicodemus saying? He was saying, I've, I've made my stand now. That's where I am. I'm with Jesus. I'm with his followers. And so it's quite a journey, isn't it? From that conversation, from that skepticism, from those questions, to being on the side of Jesus at the darkest time when Jesus was crucified, when his body could have been, well, we won't go into what might have happened, but Nicodemus was there. And isn't it great to think of a journey that means we're following Jesus, even in the dark times? And there's been many dark times. Seventy years ago, uh, in a German concentration camp, very dark, but some beautiful music was composed and played. It was played on very inadequate instruments by prisoners in the camp. And the music that was played was written by one of the prisoners in this concentration camp, Olivier 
Messiaen, a Frenchman and a devout Christian. He wanted to compose music that would talk about life when there was death, that would talk about light when there was darkness. That's what he wanted to do in that concentration camp. And he wrote something, the quartet for the end of time, La fin du temps. And in that he wasn't saying we've reached the end of time, but he was saying something a bit more subtle. He was saying there's people wanting to force things upon us, force timings upon us. And what he was talking about basically was the Nazis and their marches and their jackboots. Something is being forced upon us. But God's life is to set us free. And so he composed music where there was no real meters or rhythms because that was what he wanted to get away from and say God's spirit moves in unexpected ways. And on the score of the music where people might have said play slowly here, play fast here, he said play tenderly, play with love, play with joy. And our lives can enter into that life. And as a community, we're the, we the orchestra. We've got the band, but we're all the band. We're all the orchestra. We're part of a community. The community of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, embraced in love. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever, every one of us who believes in him, will not perish and be lost, but will live tenderly, will live with love, will live with joy, because we will not perish but have eternal life. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.